Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, for your word, for your grace upon our lives. Uh, we do thank you that you invite us into a living relationship with you. And pray, Father, that you would uh, give us the grace to um, lean into that relationship, to lean into you, to uh, live according to the grace that you have given to us. Uh, we ask that it would um, this aspect of our lives uh, might be made clear. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The uh, title of this class is The Upside-Down Kingdom. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, sort of do authority this week and, and relationships next week. Uh, the Christian life is, as you probably have noticed, uh, is tends to be sort of upside-down from uh, the, the natural life. The, the Christian mindset, the Christian worldview, uh, the Christian understanding of things uh, just typically is up down, upside-down from uh, the natural What's just what comes naturally, natural mindset, uh, a natural uh, worldview, and uh, and so the right side up kingdom uh, is just what I'll call the right side up kingdom is just is what comes naturally, what you would um, create on your, to your own devices, what not just what the world offers, but what actually you would sort of naturally have out of, out of your own heart. Uh, I think that um, that you could make the make the argument. That uh, you know, biblically, that's actually the upside down kingdom, and, and life in Christ is right side up. And I, I just started thinking about that and got a little bit confused. So, um, so, so right side up, and we'll just talk about just sort of what we see in the world. Uh, upside down kingdom uh, is the one that uh, that is life lived in Christ. So, whereas whereas in the the uh, whereas in the right side up kingdom. Uh, death comes after uh, after a, a long life, which is typically spent avoiding death at all cost. Uh, in the in the upside down kingdom, life comes through death. Uh, first and foremost, through the death uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, who was uh, the Son of God, but a, a man who lived on another continent in another uh, era, two thousand years ago, and yet uh, counterintuitively. Uh, that uh, that death, his death, his righteous death, uh, gives us life because it satisfied uh, the wrath of God and, and uh, brings us back into relationship with God. Uh, whereas in the right side up kingdom, joy and fulfillment come uh, through acquisition, uh, acquisition of things, acquisition of experiences, uh, in some sense, ac- ac- acquisition of relationships. Uh, joy and fulfillment in the upside down kingdom come through restraint, uh, come through uh, suffering, come through an emptying of self. Uh, whereas in the in the right side up kingdom, we uh, seek to to grow in, in strength, prove our strength, uh, be stronger than the next guy. In the in the upside down kingdom, strength comes through weakness, and in our weakness, um, God, in our weakness, we are strong. The Bible says God's power is made perfect in weakness. Uh, rather than uh, effort to be our best self, Christian maturity has to do with an increased understanding of our own faults. And so, uh, we have, uh, we as Christians, we are members of an upside-down kingdom. Now, uh, that gets tricky as, the, as it sort of plays out in our life, but we're going to sort of go with that a little bit. And the, uh, the reason that we have an upside-down kingdom is because we have an upside-down king. Uh, think about Jesus as a king. 
Uh, he was poor. He was seemingly uh, unconcerned with material acquisition. Uh, as a king, he had uh, no military. He had no geographic conquest. He had no castle. Uh, no servants who waited on him hand and foot. As the king, he uh, advocated for uh, an authority greater than himself, constantly pointing to his father. As the king, he washed the feet of the, his disciples, taking the lowliest role of a servant. Uh, as a king, he was concerned for the least, the last, and the lost, uh, rather than impressing the wealthy uh, and the powerful. And yet, as king, he demonstrated an incredible um, power and extraordinary wisdom. He uh, healed the blind and the deaf and the lame. He fed the poor. He reached out uh, to the isolated, the infringed. Uh, he defied the laws of nature. He calmed the storm and he uh, walked on water. And finally, he sought death uh, that others might live. I don't know if you've ever thought about that kangaroo court the night before his crucifixion where Jesus remained uh, silent and they're accusing him and they're saying, you know, speak up and, he, and Jesus stayed quiet. Any normal king uh, would jump up in irate um, fury and uh, defended himself. Had all of them killed or executed or whatever. Jesus remained silent because if Jesus had spoken, He would have had to have spoken the truth. In which case, they could not have crucified Him. In which case, we could have slept in this morning. But um, <laughs> Jesus, as an upside-down king, He said outrageous things. Outrageous things. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are those who mourn. What? We want to avoid, avoid mourning at all costs, that they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, uh, for they shall inherit the earth. And on and on, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my uh, account. Rejoice and be glad. That didn't make any sense. Blessed means deeply satisfied. That's why some uh, translations translate it happy. Happier the, are the meek. Happier the, uh, the poor in spirit. Because it means deeply satisfied. You're absolutely on the right track if you are being persecuted and, and reviled and people are saying all kinds of awful things about you. That didn't make any sense. And yet, and yet, for hundreds, now thousands uh, of years, uh, those who have sought to follow Christ and follow His words have found His words to be true. And you have story after story after story of those who have acquired uh, everything that this world has to offer, and yet they find themselves at the end of their life wholly unfulfilled. There's all kinds of stories in, in, uh, in magazines about people like that. Uh, you, may, you may know someone. You may be that someone. Because it's not just famous people. It's, people, it's real life people. Everything the world has to offer 
wholly unfulfilled. Story after story of those who have spent their whole life avoiding uh, suffering. And I'm not saying you should go look for suffering. Uh, but those, uh, they found themselves brittle and hollow and unprepared to face uh, what life has to throw at them. And yet there's also story after story of those who have nothing and yet have everything. Have you, ever, have you been on a mission trip? Have you been to a uh, third world country to the barrios and, and seen these children who have these, their, their face just shines with bright joy? What do they have to be happy about? They're drinking from a faucet that would make us put us in the hospital. Don't you, know, you have to drink out your Coke out of a straw because if you put your mouth on the bottle, you will get sick. And they are so delighted. They live... Uh, I remember uh, when I went on a mission trip to Mexico, to, um, and it was just across the border, and we were going out to build a house, and, uh, and I realized about Wednesday that we were building something that was almost as nice as what I had my lawnmower in. And he was so excited. This guy, he was so excited about it. He was so excited about his new house. He had eight children. They were building in two rooms. Made it made out of mud. He had everything in the world. He had nothing. And we were... I know we kind of slunk off on Friday. Um, but it was, it was upside down. He had what he needed. Story after story of those who have suffered unbelievable loss and yet have un, just unbridled depth and personal fulfillment in their lives. Um, and so, if you're a Christian, uh, then you are a member of the upside-down kingdom. I don't know how your life operates. I don't know what you pursue. But you are a member of the upside-down kingdom. And it affects everything. It affects uh, everything. And so, this week, uh, I just want to ta- talk about authority. I don't really have a whole lot to say personally about authority. I just wanted to do some thinking about it uh, as I thought about this. And, and next week, uh, I w- we're going to talk about relationships because the upside-down kingdom affects how we interact with one another uh, especially as well. Uh, but I want to... All of us, uh, probably most of us in this, in this room, in this church, uh, have authority of some kind. We hold authority. And we're also, uh, all of us are under authority of some kind. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to wonder about that a little bit. I'm not sure how, if, I, if I'll get through the whole uh, time or not, probably will. But, um, but if I don't, that's okay. But I um, just, just want to think about uh, authority. So two questions. How, how are we to be under authority as members of the Upside Down Kingdom? Uh, how are we to be under authority, and how are we to hold authority? And I wrestled about which one of those I should talk about first. Um, but I, I have, one of my children has a real drive for leadership. You know, I don't know if you have a kid like that, they're a delight. And, um, and, <laughs> and wanted to really be in charge of everything. And one of the things that I tell this, uh, this particular child is that in order uh, to be a leader, you first have to learn uh, to be led. And I'm pretty sure I believe that. That's uh, mostly sometimes pragmatic. But um, just be quiet for a second. Um, no, but I, I believe that. You can't be a leader until you learn to be a good follower. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, first what, 
what is what is it to be under authority? How are we to be under authority? Now, I want to say this too. I uh, I am I'm not proclaiming the gospel this morning. Um, I I'm gonna, we're going to sort of I want to ground this in the gospel. Uh, what I'm not and, and what I mean by that is I am not saying this is how you be a Christian. Uh, this is what it, this if you are if you follow the rules that I'm about to lay out is how you're to hold authority and be under authority. That makes you a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, don't pat yourself on the back. Give all the glory to the Lord. Uh, God has saved uh, wretched sinners uh, by His incredible grace. Uh, so I'm I'm um, speaking about now as Christians. Uh, how are we? How do we live under authority as Christians? What does our Christianity? What does our faith uh, say about how we live in the world? And again, I don't want to take any glory for those who get it right. I don't want to put any condemnation for those who get it wrong. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what does grace, uh, what does grace point us to uh, in how we uh, live our lives uh, through the cross? So I want to ground it in the gospel, but I want to um, talk about um, how, what, what our Christian life looks like. I want to start by reading 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. So you can kind of listen in on that. This is First Peter. He's, he has already talked about the gospel. He has already talked about what Jesus did for us. Jesus is a um, the chief cornerstone of our faith and yet a rock of stumbling uh, for those who are not in the faith. But speaking to Christians, speaking to those uh, in, in the churches to whom he's right, he says this. He says, Be subject... For the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good, as best I can tell, uh, him there is, is the emperor. So, uh, whether it be to emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by the emperor to punish those who do evil and to praise those who, who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants. Employees. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure... This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds 
you have been healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So you see how even uh, how Peter, even having already proclaimed the gospel, he tells us what we are to do, and then he proclaims the gospel again. He roots it in the gospel. So we go back to the gospel. There's two types of authority that he's talking about here. Uh, one is the human institution of government, and the next is the employer-employee relationship. Now, there may be other types of authority, I think, the, uh, that you are under or that you hold. Um, we're going to talk about the family a little bit uh, next week in relationships. Uh, but there may be other types of authority, but, um, but those are the ones we want to focus on this morning. I'm sure that if, you, if there's other ty- types that you think of, uh, the principles would apply. It's interesting that in both those types of authority that we are, find ourselves under, uh, the authority of government, the authority of our employer, uh, that we are to follow the example of Christ. That's interesting, maybe not to be surprising at all. Uh, in both, we are to offer uh, submission. And I know we, we live in a, a particular uh, era in our society where there's a lot of tension. And I'm sure that probably here this morning there are folks who were happy uh, a couple of weeks ago and some, those who uh, were not. But uh, So I'm not advocating for one position or the other. But even when we're not happy, for those who were happy last, uh, last week for the election, you weren't happy a few years ago. Principle still, and you won't be happy again some, sometime, I hope. But, um, the, uh, just kidding. Uh, I didn't record that one, put that little part. Um, we'll edit that one out. Uh, but, the, uh, but there will always be a time, a season in our lives, where we're really happy with things. There will always be a time where we're not happy with things. And in, Paul, Paul does, or Peter, doesn't, um, Peter doesn't say that when you're happy, you should submit, and when you're not, you should fight the power. Uh, he says that there is authority of government that was placed uh, in, put in place by God and we are for His purposes, even though His purposes may not be seen to us, and we are to submit. And we are not to submit in order to be good little boys and be pleasing to God. No, we are to submit in order to advance the upside-down kingdom. It is for His purposes and His glory. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. In the right side of kingdom, uh, every army, every soldier advances uh, the kingdom uh, for which they fight by conquest, uh, by domination, by uh, superior power. And um, But in the upside-down kingdom then, if it's fairly opposite, it stands to reason, the soldiers in the army of the Lord advance the kingdom by giving up. By surrender, uh, by submission, Paul says the same thing basically in in Romans uh, chapter thirteen. Uh, I'm not saying you know, certainly that you should vote against your con- conscience or uh, or anything like that, but I am saying uh, that as Christians, it affects um, it affects how we relate to the governing authorities and. Uh, and I would know for, for, at least in my life, and I don't know about you, but at least in my life, the way that I react naturally, the emotion that flares up, that what, what naturally sort of seems to follow, if they do this, then I'll do this, and uh, what, what naturally comes up in my life doesn't look like what, I, what is prescribed uh, in the Bible. So, um, and so we need to take to heart. 
What does the Bible say? For those of us who are in this upside-down kingdom, uh, we are to live with, uh, within the law in order to do good works. And that is specifically to do gospel uh, good works so that uh, we do not... Um, uh, so that we have a, uh, the respect of those around us to whom we might um, bear witness to Christ. Uh, so that we might... Um, not be tied up in, in legal matters and things that would distract us uh, from advancing the kingdom on a relational, uh, sort of horizontal uh, level. Um, there's a difference, isn't there, between doing gospel good and doing good? I mean, you can serve uh, the poor all day long. You can feed. Uh, and, and, that, and that is great good. It's for the betterment of society. There's all kinds of great things. I don't want to isolate just feeding the poor. all kinds of great things that you could. Uh, do for the betterment of society, for the good of humankind. Um, and those are good things. But there is a difference between gospel good and good. Uh, there's a difference between giving someone a sandwich and giving someone a sandwich so that you uh, build a relationship so that you can tell them about Christ. And if they don't know Christ, then you can invite them into the kingdom. If they do know Christ, then you can have sweet fellowship. And so... Uh, there is a difference between um, doing good and doing gospel good. Uh, and, and we are to do good so that we have the opportunity to do gospel good. And so we are to submit uh, to uh, the government. Now, the obvious exception, of course, is when the law contradicts um, the law of God. The law of the state contradicts the law of God. And then you're in a pickle. Um, and I, the, the example is... Um, that I thought of in, in Scripture is Daniel. And um, he, uh, the king in Babylon, sets up this, he's sort of hoodwinked into setting up this law, remember, where he, um, uh, where these people who are jealous because Daniel is the one who is, is uh, the, the sort of darling of, of the king, even though he's a, he's a Hebrew and, and, and they're mad, so they, they trick the king into set, setting up a, a month where nobody can pray to anybody except the king. And so Daniel's in this conundrum, but it's not really a conundrum for Daniel. He just keeps praying to God, and he lets the chips fall where they may, and Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den, and Nebuchadnezzar comes to faith because, um, or at least gives glory to the Lord because um, God protected Daniel in the lion's den. But Daniel was willing to go to the lion's den in order to follow the Lord. Uh, but that's a pretty extreme circumstance. And uh, so given our normal life, uh, it is a good idea uh, to follow the law so, uh, of the state. Um, and what happens if you can't stand your government? What happens if you can't stand your boss? So the laws of the state, that, that certainly would apply to, um, to laws of your rules of your employer, uh, showing respect to your employer. What happens if you can't stand your boss? Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, uh, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, that tempers us right there. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father uh, through Him. Ephesians 2 uh, says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so... Uh, even if we can't stand our government, 
even if we can't stand uh, our boss, the one that we are under authority. And, you know, relationships are messy. And so that, um, you know, you may be your own boss, and that, that may be the worst one of all. I don't know. But the... Um, but we are to bless those uh, who, whom we live under, and we are to do it as a witness to Christ. Because we are not honoring, uh, in honoring those uh, under whose authority we sit, we stand, uh, in honoring them, we are honoring the Lord. Uh, we are not saved uh, by good works, but we are, the Bible says clearly, we are saved for uh, good works. So our good works that that um, bear witness, uh, bear witness to Christ. I will say this, that, that submission to authority uh, requires a rigorous trust in the sovereignty of God. Because there are lots of times where you might be under authority. This never happens to me in my work context at all, um, in case anybody else might be listening to this recording. But the, um, the, um, there are times where you don't agree with what's happening. You don't agree with the direction of what's happening. I, I'll say I don't mind saying this at all. Uh, I was teasing about Frank, but I don't mind saying it at all that I don't. I'm, I, I work within a denomination that I don't. I don't like the direction it's going. You might uh, be in a, in a situation with your employer that you don't like the way it's going. You don't. You might be in a situation with your country that you don't like the way it's going. And it requ- that is a situation that requires a rigorous trust. Uh, in the sovereignty of God. If God is in control, then He is in control. And so, no matter what happens, that uh, we might not agree with what's happening in the minute is a micro-nothing compared to what God's perspective. If He's in control, then He's in control. And just because He's in control doesn't Maybe specifically because he's in control, it's not going to go the way that I think it ought to go. Now, I know that what that does is it creates an opportunity for me uh, to trust the Lord and to say, to do, uh, to be formed and reformed uh, in Christ. Allow God to work in us, then allow God to work through us, uh, allow God to work around us, even if uh, we would have done it differently if we had his job. So... Um, so that's what I have to say about uh, being under authority. And, and again, I just wanted to do some thinking about it. Um, accidentally, it came on the same week that I was also preaching. So, um, so that's, but that's, that's where I, I'm still wrestling around with what does it mean, how to articulate, what does it mean to be under authority? Because it doesn't, uh, to say we just have to submit, um, I mean, I think there is, there is a place to push. Uh, there is a place uh, to... Uh, be a part of the system and to, and to reform. Uh, and yet we need to work within the systems. Uh, some, sometimes, I, I don't think we have to be revolutionaries. I think sometimes we're called to that. Uh, but I think that is generally the exception rather than the rule. And I think that um, if we can do good within the system where we work, uh, that is honoring to God. And uh, we then trust His, um, trust His authority and His, His sovereignty. So that's being under authority. Um, how do we hold authority? And, uh, well, I'm, I feel like we're going to get done in time to, to have a little discussion if, so we can, we can hold off for that. 
How do we hold authority? A couple of weeks ago, our, our gospel passage was Mark 10. And remember, James and John come to Jesus and say, we want you to do whatever we ask for. Give us, uh, put one at your right and one at your left. And Jesus says this to all the disciples. Um, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you shall, must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. So when we are given authority, uh, we are to exercise influence uh, when we are in leadership through service. Uh, rather than a top-down approach, I don't know how it looks on your org chart, but in practical uh, speaking, uh, rather than a top-down approach, it is to be a bottom up approach. Uh, again, we're following the example of Christ, as Peter laid out uh, in in First Peter. Uh, he, Christ, who was supreme of all, uh, came down from heaven, uh, became the servant of all. Um, we're, so we're to follow uh, Christ as a return of gratitude, a thank offering, a sacrifice uh, of praise in the right side up kingdom. In the right side up kingdom, when you have authority, uh, you will use others. To promote your own interests. That's just kind of the way of the world. You use others in order to promote your own interests. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't like it. In the upside down kingdom, you use your authority to, to promote the interests of others. Remember in Philippians, um, Paul says, um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. He doesn't just mean those who are above you, but everyone. Those who are uh, below you as well. Uh, again, the prime example is uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Um, and I always thought it was, you know, I thought about the dust, you know, that collected in the streets because they wore sandals and that, they would get pretty dirty. Until I read the Jesus Storybook Bible, you know, the little children's Bible, and it, it brings to light, uh, which is funny to my little kids, but it brings to light the fact that uh, livestock roam the street as well. And at least for me, that put Jesus' act of service in a different category. Um, those feet stank. And, uh, and yet Jesus uh, washed their feet. Just an abject humility. Uh, Jesus says that the natural way of things is to lord it over people, to exercise that authority top down. But it shall not be so among you. His followers, His believers. Uh, because there's a difference that comes from a follower of Christ. Christ makes a difference in our lives uh, by the indwelling Holy Spirit, by His grace. Listen to what, um, listen to what Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, uh, Bond servants, employees, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but actually as bond servants of Christ. That's what we just talked about. You're, as an employee, you're serving Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, that he will receive back from the Lord, 
whether he is a bondservant or is free. And then what Paul says is masters, employers, do the same. Do the same to them. That is, with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as would Christ, not uh, as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ. Masters, do the same. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Paul says to masters, uh, see, uh, see those under your authority as your equals in Christ. It stands to reason, uh, you know, when um, uh, Pilate is talking to Jesus, and he says, don't you understand that I have the authority to let you go? And Jesus says, don't you understand that I'm the one who gave you that authority? That all authority has been placed, given and placed by God, which means that if we hold authority, then we actually have been given that by God. We like to think that we climbed the ladder or we created this thing for ourselves, but actually what we have is the gift and the blessing of God as an opportunity to honor Him. So if God has given us, then what it comes down to is seeing those under our authority as our equals before the Lord. Uh, If we... um, And so, if we as Christians are humbled by the grace that God has given to us, we are desiring to love the things He loves and to act as He acted because of what He has done for us, then we will love those whom He loves. We will give grace uh, to others. Um, I used to think, and I just, I I can't remember if I said this before, but I used to really think in, in my even in my scripture reading in my life, and particularly as I was pursuing a, uh, my, my own faith in Christ, uh, my own ordination and things like that, uh, I used to think that God made a pretty good choice when He chose me. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I probably, look, just looking at my resume, God, I probably would have picked me too. <laughs> um, idiot. And then, um, and, and, and then, you know, series time after time, I came into face to face with my own sin and my own selfishness and my own inability to control uh, my temper, uh, my reactions. Um, and I began to think, you know, I'm not sure I would have chosen me. And yet here I am, and God has given me everything that I have. Pride comes before a fall. That, that mentality that I deserve what I have uh, leads to destruction. And yet, if we deserve judgment uh, and wrath, and yet instead we have been given um, not only grace, but actually also authority, then how might God use us in the roles that He's given us? How might we, as soldiers in the army of the Lord, as members of the upside-down kingdom, how, how might we use our authority to serve others in order to advance His kingdom? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters in, in a temporal sense, but it doesn't really matter in an eternal sense what we have in this world. What matters is where we're going and who we're serving. And so... It's really all about Him. 
It's not what we have is not a, what he's given us is not an avenue to please ourselves. Rather, what he has given us is an avenue to please him and serve him, whether we are under authority or whether we have been given authority, or in most cases both. So, as servants of Christ, how might God use us? So, just offer that. I'm wrestling with it. I'm thinking, doing some thinking about that. I invite you to do that as well. Uh, is there? A, there's a mic. We've got about five minutes. We can do that unless the questions are hard, and then I've got to go to church. So. <laughs> Yes, Mary Kay. Um, you know, it seems that we could we could say, you know, good works will get you there. Mm-hmm. But we've got to remember that good works without grace are dead. Dead works. That's right. That's right. Thank you for that. Yeah, Mary. Joe, if you look at the life of somebody like Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. he clearly did not subject himself to mm-hmm. his government. But yet the masses of um, Christians, say, in pre-Germany did, and they just mm-hmm. let the government have its way when it was clearly against our biblical teachings. Could you address that a little bit? Well, I, um, I, I would... I'm still waiting for the chance to download uh, that book into my brain, uh, Bonhoeffer. I've, I've not read it, um, and I really don't know much about him. But I w- I would, what I do know about that situation is that clearly, uh, what um, clearly what has shown itself is that the laws of the state uh, were outside the laws of God, and and he was able to recognize that. That was a Daniel situation, and he went to the lion's den for it. And God didn't stop the mouth of the lions, and yet God has done incredible good uh, and, and inspired many, many Christians through Him. I would put that. I would say that we do uh, need to think critically about our government. Uh, I'm sort of. I'm guilty sometimes of not doing that. I, um, but uh, I have a dad who's retired. He fills me in. But the um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, but I no. I do think that we need to think critically. And, um, and, and that's where we need to press and push. Uh, when we can, I think we need to work within the, within the systems. When we can't, and we, um, we need to pray hard about that. So that's what I would say. I'd just add to that that mm-hmm. I think that he was led by God to do what he sought to do, but that it was not God's purpose for him to be successful in that, and that God's plan of Hitler yeah. committing suicide was a better outcome than them murdering him. I, I personally think, he, uh, you know, what I know about it, I, I personally think that he was incredibly successful. That just didn't mean he got to live. So, yeah. Who else? All right. We'll wrestle, wrestle around with it. Uh, come back next week. We'll talk about uh, relationships, how we relate to one another in the upside-down kingdom. God bless you.